You're listening to Fight in Progress. With your hosts and stress coaches, founder of Under the Shield, Susan Simmons, and TomTheBomb.com. Fight in Progress grapples with the internal and external struggles in the daily lives of our men and women in law enforcement, the armed forces, and first responders. Tackling the tough topics and supporting those who support us. We hear you, and we're here for you. Welcome back to another edition of Under the Shield Presents Fight in Progress. This is your host, Susan Lewis-Simmons. Yes, I sound horrible. I know I normally talk funny, according to everybody out here. You Southerners, we have no language barrier whatsoever. But I am just getting over a pretty bad sinus infection and now have laryngitis. As everybody tells me, if I would just stop talking, I could probably get over this. (laughs) I don't think that's going to happen. But anyway, and poor TomTheBomb.com and... Uh, who was here last week by himself, is now out with COVID. And to show you how much he loves his wife, he shared it with her. And then they shared it with one of their sons. So, uh, but I think they're on the mend, and thank heavens mine was not COVID. Was tested twice, and uh, as much as I loved bragging I had never been tested, that'll teach me. Um, But anyway... Today we have in studio uh, one of our newest stress coaches that we're real excited about, Becky. And uh, she's a little nervous like most of our guests because they never know what we're going to ask or what we're going to say or what we're going to do. Fair. (laughs) But I'm also excited to announce that in two weeks, actually in three weeks, we will be in our brand new studio, podcast studio, the Chris Ferrar podcast studio that we're real excited about having set up and we've got some really cool people lined up also and uh, so we hope y'all will continue to listen and support this podcast and share it with your friends and pass the word on as we grow we also have been accepted if Tom didn't mention it last week um, we have now been added to the law enforcement today podcast family Nice. Yeah, that we're real excited about. So that gives us a whole nother um, platform, I guess you could say, that people can hear us on. And so anyway, welcome, Becky. (laughs) Thank you. And the cool thing about Becky is she kind of got sucked into all of this. I was tricked. She was from (laughs) from way back. This is what happens when you you call me and bring me into your life. (laughs) I take over. I just take complete control of it, Becky. Oh, it's a force of nature. Did somebody not warn you about that, dear? I had no idea. Well, good, because then you probably wouldn't have done it. Um, But (laughs) but Becky is not only one of our newest stress coaches, but we are excited to announce that she also is going to be hosting a podcast kind of under the shield umbrella, um, talking about dispatch and all the cool fun stuff that can happen in the calm rooms. But also, I think it's an opportunity to educate people who've never spent any time in one. Mm-hmm. Um, just how difficult it can be sometimes. Yeah. I've always said I could never do your job. I, I'm telling you, I couldn't be tied to something. Um, you know, dispatchers have nothing but my utmost respect because I'm telling you now, some cop would be screaming 998 or 999 and y'all would look up in the comm center. My chair would be spinning and <laughs> I'd be running out with my head set out yep. going somewhere. I don't know where I'd be going, but I'd be trying to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I've had a lot of team members in Alabama uh, who were dispatchers. And it is to me by far one of the most difficult jobs in law enforcement. And again, let me be clear, in, at Under the Shield, when we talk about law enforcement, we are talking about the entire umbrella from communications all the way through federal probation and parole. And to all of you people out there, I, I, it amazes me at how you can think this, that believe that dispatchers are not first responders, I don't understand that concept. Because so many times... That's where all of the calls originate for sworn to deal with. And then 
if Sworn didn't have detention and corrections to put him there, uh, then what would we do? So everybody has a piece of the puzzle that you rely on each other. And so I hope people out there listening, if you truly believe dispatchers are not first responders, um, I'm hoping after this and maybe listening to some of uh, Becky's new podcast that you want to tell them what we're calling it. <laughs> um, Dispatch Diaries. <laughs> <laughs> and then the subtitle is going to be Dispatch That. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we've already got some people lined up that are going to make this really interesting, I think. Hopefully it'll be very educational uh, and entertaining. I think it's going to be both. Yeah. And I think that's important that it's both. Um, I think it's important that we get some humor added yes. in all of our stuff, which Tom and I try to do on a regular basis. Um, but there are some funny things that do. Y'all do get some funny calls. Oh, God, yeah. We get everything. <laughs> and and that's the part, too. I think dis that your patrol and people, if they've never worked dispatch, um, they don't realize all the stuff that y'all actually filter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That if you weren't there, they'd probably have to try to deal with. Most likely, yeah. And um, so tell us a little bit about your background. I know you've worked several different places, different kinds of of dispatching, not just law enforcement agencies, but give us give us a little bit of background on that. Yeah, a little bit of background. I've I've worked at several different agencies uh, in different states. Um, originally, I'm from Missouri, a very small town, so... Uh, among, She's almost Southern, not almost. quite. She tries to claim it, but we don't let her. <laughs> <laughs> the more I'm around you, the more my, my twang comes out, my husband makes fun of me. Um, Y'all. Yeah. <laughs> I'm fixing to go to the store if you need That's anything. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I've had a multitude of different jobs. Um, what possessed you in the first dispatch job you had? Why? Um, I had left the corporate world working for a quite large um, domain name registrar hosting company. Uh, the job there, I was there for about nine years and had many different titles and roles at that while I was there. Um, for the longest amount of time that I worked there in a department, which is now referred to as digital crimes, uh, which were, dealt with basically the scum of the internet. Tough stuff. Yeah. Um, lots of really horrible stuff that, that you can't unsee or unhear. Um, and we, we actually in, in that role worked with law enforcement as far as a lot of times we were the first ones seeing or becoming aware of this content and, and, you know, I think that's something the public doesn't realize. I didn't realize it till I met you. Yeah. It never occurred to me that there were really just kind of Joe citizens working in the industry and IT and, mm -hmm. and domain registration stuff who would be exposed to, I, I'm just telling you, I'd be a one-man vigilante. Mm. I, you know, Susan, it's crossed the mind. <laughs> Susan would be doing your job by day and mm -hmm. out hunting people by night. Mm -hmm. especially when it involves children. Yeah. I, yeah. I, my hat's off to you for doing that for nine years and the people that are out there doing, are there a lot of jobs like that? Yeah. Um, it takes, and, and to be clear, I didn't have that job for the entire nine years, but for the majority of the time I worked with people in that department, I myself, while I would see and, and hear a lot of the content, I, I also could not handle, um, although, you know, secondhand, I would see, because obviously other people doing investigations, it was on their monitors. You would, you would sure. still be aware of it. Um, but yeah, with pretty much any, any company that has servers hosting, that provides hosting services mm -hmm. where you store all of your files and um, whatnot is, is, or should have someone doing that. A lot of companies, if it's not making them money, they don't care. They See, don't pay attention. And that was one of the first things that I guess did come up with me after the Uvalde shooting. And I'm thinking, you know, I could put something on Twitter, um, pro Trump, and it would get taken down almost immediately. 
And yet on Facebook, this kid is on there and he's saying what he's going to do. And then he's saying he did it. And here's where he's going next. And I wondered, shouldn't there have been somebody through Facebook monitoring and see? And and I'm sure there are tons of things like that that go on around the country that people don't mean it. Mm -hmm. (coughs) But the reality is. I think we got to start taking that stuff a little more seriously. Mm-hmm. And there's ways to verify, I mean, without getting into the whole thing, but you can, if someone brings attention to themselves by posting stuff like that, mm-hmm. you can certainly dig a little deeper, sure. see what else they're doing online. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of what I, where I started um, as far as being sort of in this role. Um, of course, as most corporations go, it got larger and larger and instead of as it was originally, especially in the department I worked, we were we were our own support system. We were like family. We still are like family. As we witnessed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We They are more my family than a, a lot of my blood relatives because, uh, shoot, they had counselors come in for us. And when we would tell them some of the content that we were seeing mm-hmm. um, the they would quit or they would they like we were traumatizing them. So. Anyway, uh, they basically um, disbanded or disintegrated our department and pushed us all into separate departments. And at that point, I was realizing that I was just a number and I really wasn't making a big difference anywhere. Mm -hmm. So I kind of just took a little bit of time off and volunteered um, at the zoo. (laughs) Unfortunately, I I was thinking they'd let me in with the bears or (laughs) something to, you know, but no. No, they just stuck me in with the horticulture, but you know, whatever. No lions and tigers, and <laughs> I tried. I thought it was a good idea. See, just... the monkeys is where I'd want to go. Oh God, Ugh. they creep me out. Do they really? Yeah. See, I always wanted a chimpanzee. Oh God, oh, I don't want an orangutan, but I want a chimpanzee. They are just. Oh. You put a diaper on them. Oh Lord, well, just put put a diaper on Heidi. Heidi. <laughs> I don't know what. To... Yeah. Wait a few more years, we'll have to start diapering Tom. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> We've already had that conversation. Yeah, but anyway, and then I realized being a little bit older and having come to terms with my severe ADHD, and I realized that dispatching would be a really good fit for Mm -hmm. me because my brain is like a squirrel on crack anyway, and I am good at multitasking on a, my like, just insane level uh as long as my mind's engaged and i'm interested in it because otherwise you're gonna get in trouble yeah and i can i can think on my feet and i I figured it would be a pretty good fit so did you know any dispatchers nope nope i just threw my application out to several different valley agencies and the first one that contacted me ended up being because it's a very long process with the background checks and the interviews and the polygraph and the drug test and whatnot. So the first agency that I, that contacted me and I started the process with is the one I ended up working for, um, for a couple of years. And then I had the opportunity to actually move back to Missouri, which ultimately has always been my plan because the desert is a crap hole, (laughs) (laughs) especially in, in, in freaking June and July And August, it's like hotter than Satan's pucker hole and (laughs) just no thank you. Just it's stupid. I'm going to take her to New Orleans in August and let her get a dose of what heat and humidity. That is, isn't, well, I've never been there, but Missouri's kind of humid. It's just, I don't know. I just don't like the, it just doesn't feel hospitable to life in the desert. Everything is, everything is. (laughs) cactus and prickly and sand and dirt but anyway anyway i got <laughs> unexpectedly got um a job offer i kind of just half ass through uh, am i allowed to say ass you are okay yes i probably should have checked earlier. oh no it's all good the fcc doesn't regulate this oh lord oh we'd be off the air if they did so. oh lord <laughs> your producer fellow's gonna be earning his paycheck now um yeah, I, I had just, I'd always said I want to move back home. That's where my family is. Every time I'm back there, 
it's just, I'm, I'm realizing, you know, all my friends are getting older. My parents are getting older and every, but the time I'm in Arizona is time that I'm missing and I'm not going to be able to get back sure. visiting and seeing, you know, spending time with my family or whatever. Anyway, I kind of threw an application out while I was up there for one of the uh, colleges to dispatch there. And I'll be damned if they didn't offer me, they <laughs> asked for an interview the next day. So I had to go to the freaking store and buy me some damn interview clothes because I didn't, I had jeans and a t-shirt, you know, I don't really dress fancy. So anyway, I went to the interview and about six, no, I'm so sorry, just about an hour after that, they called me and offered me a job. Oh, funny. And I had just, I was just there on vacation. I didn't have, I, I, I was like, well, uh, all right. I need to go back there and let them know that my, <laughs> here, thanks for the vacation. Um, by the way, here's my two weeks. Right. So I went back to Missouri and dispatched uh, for the college, which is really not at all the type of dispatching that I was accustomed to. Previously, I was dispatching for fire as well as, um, I'm sorry, for police as well as fire. Um, we did, it was a smaller agency. So we did kind of all, all of it. Sure. Um, including like a lot of what it's records duties in most agencies where we're entering warrants and confirming warrants and all of that fun stuff. Um, anywho, I worked up there and it was basically, cause those, um, are basically security guards. Yeah. So it was hardly, I wasn't really aware of <laughs> how, um, slow. <laughs> yes. So anyway, I got paid to sit there and ended up, um, Meeting my, well, I already knew my husband, but he was just a friend, blah, blah, blah. Fast forward. Uh, he talks me into coming back to freaking Arizona. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, I'll be damned. I know. So. It's at a weak moment. Yep, he did. And sweet talker, I swear. Well, he's a good one in you. He, he is. It, he is a, a good decision. Yes. Yes. It, it took a couple trial and errors, but I finally found the good one. Yes. Um. So I came back here and I knew dispatching. That's what I liked. That's what I was good at. And he was in law enforcement. He was, yes. That's actually how I had met him at my previous job. Um, we worked together and I respected him a lot. So that's why um, finally when I did decide to come back here until he could finish out his 20 years in Arizona mm -hmm. um, and then ultimately, you know, plan to go back home to Missouri. Um, so how much longer do we have you? A uh, little over a year and a half. <laughs> no, I'll let you know when you can go. Okay. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> um, that doesn't suit me. Sorry. <laughs> That's not my timeline. <laughs> Dang it. Uh, so I start, I, I threw my application at an agency here. Um, at this point I'd been dispatching. I knew what I was getting into. So instead of throwing my application out to a bunch of agencies, I knew which agency I wanted to work for. I applied and got the job. Um, and that's kind of where I've been since I moved back. And it's been four, almost, I think, <coughs> five years at this agency for a much larger city. Um, and that's kind of where I'm at. Well, let's talk a little bit, too, about the changes that you've seen in the last five years for dispatchers. Because times have gotten a whole lot tougher. They, it's never been an easy job. I mean, right. let's, let's face that. but. I think it's gotten even more difficult. Yeah. And I'm not sure exactly why that is. What did you see kind of, could y'all kind of see it coming down the, the railroad tracks? Yeah. Well, it's hard to, unfortunately, we, you can't really predict it. We did see it getting increasingly, increasingly worse. Um, but really, it's just with the political climate these days and the, the view that the public, uh, thanks to the media has of law enforcement in general now is just horrible. Um, and there isn't a lot of awareness about the, the level of trauma and mental and emotional abuse that dispatchers take on a daily basis. Sure. The general public doesn't think about it. They're not, it's not in the forefront. You know, there's always, there, there's fundraisers and there's 
you know, you see officers, you see a black and white rolling down the street, you check your speedometer and you go on about your, <laughs> you, you go on with your day. You don't think about dispatchers until the shit hits the fan, until yeah. you find a loved one unconscious on the floor, you're in an accident, there is a house fire, uh, someone's breaking in. I mean, just the list goes on. You don't think about dispatch until that minute. Sure. And even then, you don't really think about the person you're speaking with. That person's basically an invisible voice. Mm -hmm on the other end of the phone that I can talk to any way I need to talk to yes. to get my needs met. Correct. Whatever that means. Yes, absolutely. And we're, and I don't want to say like speak for the entire dispatch community, but generally speaking, I've, I've had the discussion and, and pretty frequently conversation of sorts with my close friends that are also dispatchers. If someone say a wife comes, uh, gets up in the morning and finds her husband unresponsive on the floor, mm -hmm. right? She is in crisis. Sure. She could call us any name in the book and we are completely okay with that. Cause you know what? That's this, that that's our job Sure. that we are. So we're here for you. We're getting you the help you need. Just focus on my voice until that help gets here. Yep. We're going to get you, you know, get everything you need. And all of this orchestra is going on behind the scenes and we're getting people there. The abuse that I don't think people are aware of are the, uh, how do I say, entitled <laughs> people that call in to 911 as casually and frequently as if they're ordering a pizza, mm -hmm. expecting officers to get there and solve the problems they've created for themselves. Sure. And the minute that dispatch, and each agency is different, some dispatchers some agencies allow their dispatchers the authority um, to say no, mm -hmm. that this is a civil issue. Right. We're not sending an officer. So other agencies have to put in every single call. Mm. Um, thankfully, for one of the good things about this agency is we are allowed to say no, good. obviously. With and, and the minute you say no, the minute that they are told no and they're not going to get what they want, they lose their minds. Give us an example of something you would say no to. Um, someone calls in and baby daddy is not giving her $20 to go down to Wendy's and get a Frosty. Okay. Um, and she calls in thinking, and, and it, when they're frequent callers like that, they know what to say. Sure. They start throwing out the minute they think it's not going to, you know, accomplish what they want and get an officer there. Then they start feeling unsafe. Right. And then, and then there's issues. And then. You know, there's times when they're like, he's hitting me, he's hitting me. And you can hear him in the background and he's actually calm. And he's like, no, I'm not. What the hell are you talking about? Yeah. Who's hitting you? <laughs> I'm on the other side of the room. Right. Um, but, it, and that's just, a lot of times people will call in. They're not mentally well. Sure. Um, and a lot of times people don't know. They Calling 911 or even calling non-emergency is their go-to if they don't know what to do. Sure. We are the catch-all for everything. If it's a neighbor dispute, if... If they sold a car to someone and that car is a lemon or they sold someone something and now they took that item and they are not paying them for it. All that is civil crap. I, I used to laugh when I started this company 30 years ago. And I would say that if they couldn't find it in the yellow pages in the phone book. Oh, yeah. For example, somebody has a snake in a drain mm -hmm. and they look up in the yellow pages, snake in a drain. And there's no listing. I must call 911. Yes, absolutely. Of course, now we can Google it all and mm -hmm. stuff, which I hope would reduce a little bit of that, but probably not. Nope. <laughs> not. I mean, and you know what? That's that's the thing. I bet there actually are a lot of people that solve those problems on their own. Sure. Because they're actual adults and sure. they, they, they know how the adulting thing works. Uh, the people we deal with don't, obviously. They don't know how or they expect it to be done for them. Right. And the minute you say no, and we're not just like, no, we're okay. Well, here's some resources for you. That's actually civil. So you can go to court. Um, I can't give you legal advice, but it, it's not anything an officer's coming out for. Right. And then, oh, you're a piece of shit. Your mama should have never had you. I'm going to find where you live, burn your house down. Um, let's see. You're just a dirty cocksucker. Uh, you're a piece of crap that does nothing for this world. You're a civil servant, bitch, so do your freaking job. Sure. Just everything, and that's every single day. Sure. Um, and 
just like every, every, every business and company out there, the entire world, as they say, is short staffed right now. Yes. Dispatch is no exception. In, in fact, it's, it's worse, way, way worse. Um, so you're working long hours. Yes. Very little sleep, very little family time, very mm-hmm. little downtime. Mm-hmm. And yet you're supposed to be kind and mm-hmm. understanding to every call that comes in. Um, do they tend in the agencies where you've seen, do they tend to discipline dispatchers who may not be quite as kind and understanding to someone cussing you out? It depends. I have got, well, it depends on how you handle the call. Some, some dispatchers and call takers are more abrasive in general. Right. Um, and then they ask to speak to the supervisor. So they generate a lot of supervisor calls. There are ways to explain to people mm-hmm. and get your point across. Um, some people you can't, and that's the, that's the frustration. Some people literally, if, if the minute you try to talk and explain something to them, they start talking over you and sure. they elevate themselves. Sure. And a lot of times if I have a call like that, I will just literally sit there and not say anything. Even when they stop, mm-hmm. I just let it dead air, sure. nothing. And then they're like, oh, uh, uh, hello? Right. Well, they see you as a means to an end. Mm-hmm. You're just the person that's supposed to send the resource to mm-hmm. them. They don't realize you actually could be the resource mm-hmm. for a lot of people in that you talk people through things like a choking baby. Mm-hmm. You're you're telling them things to try, mm-hmm. um, things to do if they need to administer CPR even. Mm-hmm. They don't realize you're not just some person sitting there doing a crossword puzzle answering a telephone. Mm-hmm. That they're, you're actually trained. Yeah. And it's, it's, and that's the thing, like, as far as the first responder, we are, we, we get the raw emotion the everything we the the things we hear and which follows is the mental images. Um, there's so many times when we've had someone that's elevated and right on the they have a gun, they have a knife, they're gonna kill themselves, they're gonna sure. kill someone else or both. And if we approach it correctly, we are able to de-escalate them and make it safer for our guys and and women when they get on scene. Sure, absolutely. And it makes a huge difference versus escalating them more. And then you could be walking into a freak, even more of a shit show because they would may have already, you know, killed themselves, killed someone else, you know, be running out on the street at this point. Or Who ready knows? to ambush the officers when they get there. Absolutely. That we're seeing all too often. Yeah. And it's, you. we're human lie detectors, which also leads to a lot of the abuse because the minute someone, you can, the more you do the job you just know mm-hmm. and the minute you start asking questions not in a condescent not in just basically gathering information sure because if you're claiming that x y and z has happened okay fantastic well if that's the case then tell me this or and the minute they start getting caught in their lies yep they become aggressive and then they go on the attack and and then that's when the verbal abuse comes in because then you're a bitch for ask you know sure um when when they are angry like that and they ask your name, are you required to give them at least a first name or do you mm-hmm. have to give them a full name? I give them my first name and my employee number. Okay. Um, and they'll t- they'll speak to a supervisor. Uh a lot of times your supervisor will back you up and say no. A lot of times people just we we get and it's not just a one call thing because you also have to keep in mind, which again the general public isn't aware of. We're not just taking a call, finishing the call, and then sitting there and chatting with our friends and drinking right. coffee. Right. We are bombarded with calls for 10 to 15 hours a day, which is our shift. We get uh, a couple of 15-minute breaks, and we get a 30-minute lunch. Mm-hmm. If you're lucky. If you're lucky. And that's if you know everything's going okay and there's no catastrophes going on or whatever. Um and it's so short-staffed, you will have 911 calls holding. We, sure. You just don't have the people to answer the phones. And so you get, and the minute, and, it, and it, it's such a roller coaster of adrenaline dumps and annoyance and people being complete twats to you. 
and you can get off the phone with someone that just found their two-year-old floating in the backyard pool yes. and you're trying to deal with, you know, you know, that trauma that you've heard and that, that screams of those parents yes. real coming to, you can hear in their voice as they're realizing yes. the magnitude and the next call, that call disconnects. It's an automated system and it just pops. You get this beep in your headset and the next call is going to be someone that's screaming bloody murder because uh, someone has been parked on the curb too long or their car's facing the wrong way. Or their dog, their neighbor's dog crapped in their yard. It, yes, yes. <laughs> or the neighbor's tree has dropped leaves in their backyard. Yes. It's just... And they have, as far as they're concerned, they're entitled and their entire world is about this tree whose leaves have, you know, had the audacity to drop in my yard. Right. Never mind what you have just went through. Sure. And you have to switch, you know, gears and kindly tell them to go fuck themselves. And it's, and that's a day and every single day in and day out. Sure. That's, that's what is going on. Um. Or you have an officer who's mm -hmm. shot. Yeah. And when that passes to the next whatever, mm -hmm. then you've got to go to the next call mm -hmm. and you don't know if your officer's dead or alive. Mm -hmm. And it could be a very long time before you find out. Mm -hmm. Yep. And they don't. And I don't think officers really, you know, one of the things I used to love uh, back in Alabama, and I don't know if they still do it or not, but officers coming out of the academy, always did some time mm -hmm. in the communication center. And I think they should have to. Yeah. And I know that now one of the agencies here in the Valley, I understand, now has um, extra duty for officers to work in communications mm -hmm. and answer the calls, mm -hmm. which I think is good for them, first of all, because <laughs> I think they have this image also that if – there's no calls coming out. Y'all must be sitting up there knitting or mm -hmm. baking cookies or doing something when in reality they don't realize calls are still coming in just because oh, yeah. they're not coming across the radio. Yeah. We we get yeah, we 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 play a lot of defense with stuff like that, people calling in. Um and it, it, it depend each call taker is different, each dispatcher is different. Uh for the most part, it is those you are a family. Right. And those are when I'm dispatching, those are my guys yes. out there. When I'm call taking, those are those are my guys. I am fiercely protective of them. Even if I'm dispatching, uh, and there's some officers that you want to strangle. Sure. Just like with a brother, you wanna, you know, but God forbid anybody else right. not in the family say anything about him. And you feel responsible Absolutely. for their safety. Absolutely. And my husband being a sergeant in a different agency where I you know, previously worked, I get it. I don't want those family. I don't want to be the reason because I've been sitting here with my thumb up my ass, not paying attention, not reading the the history that's sure. happened at an address that I'm sending them to sure. to say, Hey, just so you know, last week there was a guy at this house and he ran from us or he tried to fight us or he had a gun or he's got three felony warrants. Just so you know, sure. He was there last week. Don't know. He might be living there now. Just whatever the case is. Um, and and we do a lot of of not throwing stuff out to them that's that's complete crap. Right. Um, if it's a legitimate call, we'll we'll put it in. Um, but we try to because they're short staffed too. Everybody is yes. is short staffed. Um, have y'all in your comm center? Uh, I know some have have had like therapy dogs in there with you. Yeah, we have. They have some. Um, is that ever helpful? There's really no time. Yeah, it's honestly, that's, and it's, and it, that's the thing, like the canine officers, mm -hmm. anytime we see that they're at the center or, or if they come upstairs, we're like, Hey, great to see you. But by the way, where's the dog? Right. <laughs> <laughs> we have our priorities. Right. And that's the thing, like anytime that they're, they, they do, there are a couple of therapy dogs. I haven't met them because Obviously, it's 24 hours, so it's never, they've never been there when I'm there, but I know the canine dogs uh -huh. um, are officers. And I mean, we have had times when <laughs> there was a homeless guy that got, I can't remember, he may have died or just been transported to the hospital, and we were trying to get his things to impound 
And one of his other buddies was like, well, be careful with his hat. He's got a baby squirrel in there. Oh, jeez. And we're like, what? And yeah, I'll be damned. There was a little baby squirrel that he had in his freaking hat. So we had a squirrel up in dispatch. Oh, funny. A little baby. And I was upset because they sent that. They took him to a rehab center before I got there. Uh, another time we had a baby skunk. Oh. <laughs> which, I mean. Wow. I, I love that little skunk. <laughs> um, but that is like, that's our some sort of break sure. from the horribleness that we deal with on a daily basis. Um, I've also heard of some, I want to say it was back in Louisiana, maybe at East Baton Rouge Sheriff's Office or Baton Rouge PD, where they actually had like a de-escalation room they could go into and put their feet up and kind of get their thoughts together. Again, you got to have the time to do that. I know Memphis mm-hmm. did have that. Yeah, we have. it's called a quiet room. Um, it's really just for like naps if you have the time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're just dead tired, and if you get a 30-minute break, you can go in there and try to sleep. Um, it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't really do a whole lot. Well, it doesn't help if you don't have the time. Yeah, and it's just, I mean, it's a, it's a nice thought. Right. But by the time you calm your mind down, and I mean, sometimes you're just dead tired, but it's almost like sometimes the 30 minutes may help. I personally can't just go to sleep for 30 minutes and then wake back up. I just can't um, do that. So, but they do have those. It's just, it's just, it's very hard for, because there are so many traumatic calls. The longer you work in this job, the more you get them, the more you've dealt with them. Um, and ultimately that's kind of what has led me to, well, first of all, led me to meeting you, Mm -hmm. um, the first of this year. And it's what's kind of been in the back of my mind, thinking about mulling it over, kind of kicking the idea around about somehow putting it out for the public, putting these, these jack wagons on blast that call in And are complete, completely rude, completely like, if your mother heard you acting like this, yes. I would hope she would knock your teeth down your throat. Right. Or maybe she didn't when you were younger. Maybe you were, you know, maybe you were raised to be entitled. I don't know. But put that out there so the general public is aware of the crap. Because the only time dispatch in particular is in the media mm-hmm. is... In case you're playing a call and a dispatcher's voice happens to be in the background because that's part of the radio traffic. Right. Or if it's something horrible, like you hear them falling asleep or or whatever the case is. Right. Oh, I'll be damned. That'll hit the freaking media for sure. Absolutely. But the daily beating down of, you know, just like the 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 morale and everything about it is just drained. It's at an all-time low. And it's like dispatcher you feel you are invisible sure. even within agencies sure. you're an afterthought afterthought people will bring in stuff for the officers and oh thank you so much and which is great i love when people acknowledge our officers and our a lot of our officers are really good about coming up and saying hi or sure do you guys need coffee because you're stuck to your damn desk on a leash you know like a dog right um and you're and you're absolutely right it's Again, this is why I think so many people don't think of dispatchers as first responders. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, is you are the first first responder Yeah, on so many calls. Yeah. And the sad part, too, is I don't think the officers realize a lot of times um, how important it is for you to have closure mm-hmm. to certain calls. Yeah. And I know there are some officers that are really good about making sure Chris Ferrara was a good one about major calls. He would call in and make sure the dispatcher knew the outcome. What happened. Yep. And that that's really important. Yeah. To just jump from call to call to call to call mm-hmm. and never know, was the kid okay? Mm-hmm. You know, was she dead when they got there? Whatever happened. Yeah. That is really important for people to give that amount of closure yeah. to dispatch. Yeah, because dispatching is, I've heard it said, multiple different ways but basically dispatching is like reading a suspense novel with the last five chapters ripped out (coughs) and then you immediately jump to another novel 
yes. or or something else. And that's that's the difference, I guess, between officers and dispatching. Officers are sent to a single a call that is domestic violence or whatever it is. And that's their focus. Sure. They're researching the people at the call, who's been there before, what kind of cars are involved, descriptions of the people, are there weapons, are there kids, what's going on, is there anybody drunk, under the influence, you know, the list goes on. And that's their focus. Dispatch is working on that domestic. Dispatch is working on a rollover accident that's got several streets blocked. They're working on... Um, a missing child. A missing child, which will take pretty much the entire city's resources to find until we find that kid. Sure. Um, they're dealing with um, a homeless guy that's now becoming agitated because they've asked him to leave and he's not. Right. They're dealing with any number of stuff. And then, you know, another domestic that's on the South side of town or whatever. And this guy's got a gun or this guy's, you know, or, or now there's, now there's a carjacking and now there's a burglary at the circle K and now there's, you know, or I'm sorry, a, a drunk rock. walking in the road. Exactly. Yes. Absolutely. You know, you have those people that are, enjoying a, a bit of the illegal substance and then there's you know starting fu- starting fights with stop signs yes. you know yeah so and and that's the thing is is our focus is the entire city the entire or city county or whatever you're dispatching yep and and you're playing chess you're moving this and that and the other and you're helping your friends who's dispatching the other side or call takers and you're trying to you know help with i've made that I've done that before when I was actually a dispatcher, I was on a channel, the calls were rolling in and we didn't have enough people to answer them because I don't even remember what was going sideways. So I'm like, well, I'll just grab, we have a specific line for the fire department. It's called fire ring down, um, where it's a direct line. They call us, we call them like back and forth. It's immediate communication. Um, so I'm like, well, I'll just grab fire ring down because it was ringing because generally fire will call us if they have like someone that they're going a call they're responding to and the patient's combative sure. or the fire will stage. I mean, I love the firefighters and whatnot, but they will stage for anything. Like if, <laughs> if this guy's got a freaking hangnail and is grumpy about it, we better have an officer go in and make sure. Uh, I mean, that was so much love. Um, and so I answered fire ring down fire had gotten a call directly to them that was some someone that was actively suicidal holding a gun and they transferred it to us through the fire ring down line so i'm sitting here dispatching a hot call oh jeez taking this actively suicidal person call which was also on my side of the city <laughs> i'm like someone either needs to take this damn call or they need to take my channel because i need to focus all of my attention on whichever one of these sure and it it gets real crazy real fast and a lot of people do not understand and even something that would seem as simple as speaking like you and I are speaking right now mm-hmm. but if i'm asking you questions i need to be thinking about the next question that i need to know for officer safety sure. and i'm researching where you are making sure it plots correctly seeing where it's at typing all that information in and you're ha- you're typing everything so the stuff you're typing is different than what you're saying. Right, right. Which is, it's kind of like patting your head and rubbing your tummy and... Skipping all at the same time. All at the same time. It is And a, not everybody can do that. Yeah, it is. Few people can do it, even less can handle the, <coughs> the trauma of hearing, even if they're physically or mentally capable of, you know, talking, typing, asking the right questions. They can't handle the stuff you hear. They can't handle hearing someone lose a loved one. They can't handle hearing. Well, not to mention questioning, am I doing a good enough job Mm -hmm. at these things? Mm -hmm. And is there something I could have done better? Oh yeah. You always, always, you're always what ifing yourself. Yes, absolutely. And you have to ask, you know, there's, there's so much that you, you have to ask and you have to get through. Cause when, when it is an emergency, when, when it's, this horrible situation, they are in such the, the, the victim or whomever it is that's calling in is in such an elevated level of, of just adrenaline and, and shock and everything that you have to bring them down enough to focus, if nothing else on your voice. Right. And sometimes, I mean, the most intelligent person in the world and, and they just found a loved one dead or someone's hold you know, someone's broken into their house 
they're in such a traumatic state, they don't know their address. Sure. And it's just because your brain is just like, oh, we kind of have other stuff to do right now. We're going to try to survive. Um, and it's just people don't understand the minute you and you have you have to process what you're hearing. Right. Because they're all they're doing. They don't know what information you need. So they're just screaming. And you have to be like, OK, well, I need to know where you are. That's mm-hmm. number one. If, if I know where to send officers, we can get the rest sorted out on the way. Sure. Where are you? And then we're, we work on, okay, what's going on? I mean, I have some, I work with amazing people and I've sat there and listened to them. And as a dispatcher or even other call taker, when you work with people for an amount of time, you get like a sixth sense and the change in their voice, the change in their posture. And the same is true with your officers. Yep. You get the skin, the goosebumps, the, the, the prickly skin, the hair standing up and you're like, oh, fuck, something's bad. Something it has or is about to happen. Sure. Um, one, like it took my, one of my friends, call takers, woman called in hysterical. It took her a good three to five minutes to find out that she had just walked, got home and found her boyfriend had just killed himself. Wow. And she was losing it because they were having trouble. And she went out with her girlfriends the night before and he called her the night before and she sent his call to voicemail. Wow. You know, and, and other times it may have actually been the same call taker. She's amazing with people. Uh, someone called and was active, like called for help and they were standing on a stool with a rope around their neck. Yeah. And so, and in that case, what helped is she had a dog so many times (laughs) she could, and she was like, the dog's acting kind of funny and you you use that if you have a pet or an animal, mm-hmm. who's going to take care of that animal? Right. That animal is worried about you. Dogs are amazing. They, they know. Sure they, they do. They pick up on, on more than we probably even know they do. Sure. And that's how she got her off that stool. Wow. Is she had her sit down on the floor to comfort the dog. Wow. Wow. Um, and I know there has been talk around the country. I think one of our larger agency here's, agencies here does it. But that's having counselors in the comm center also. I'm not I'm not really sure what the model is. I don't know if the purpose of the the counselor in there is to help the dispatcher or it's to help the person on the other end of the phone or both. I've heard talk of that off and on for the dispatchers. I don't think counselors in situations like that, I don't in in an active, I mean, they'd be great after the case, maybe. Right. But in the active situation, I don't know if they have, mm, I don't want to say training, but the experience, maybe. Sure. To handle something that's actually happening. What if it's right a, now? Um, a mentally ill person who's off their meds on the phone? We actually have done that before because um, a lot of, and that's, you have to just play each call is different. But in cases, in some cases, we don't even send officers if that person is like, don't send a cop because you send officers and you see black and white roll up outside. That's right. going to escalate the situation. Sure. But we also have to make sure as far as safety goes, hey, are you willing to talk with crisis? Right. Are you, because obviously you've made a good step. You've, you're calling for help. Sure. If If you don't want officers there then okay, but do you want crisis? And we will get them on the line with crisis. We'll transfer them over. We'll stay on the line and verify, hey, everything good to go. If you need us, call us back if we need to respond out. Sure. But you get them basically at least to a point where they're willing to speak with crisis. Sometimes that's all they need. Right. Um, And then they, that's more in their wheelhouse. And then, you know, our officers are still left free to handle, you know, a carjacking or armed robbery that's happening now, you know, right. whatever the case is, there's no shortage of calls. Um, so yeah, in, in cases like that, absolutely. Sure. Depending on what they're telling us they need and what they're willing to agree to, or, you know, good the, the help they're looking for. Absolutely. You, you, I mean, cause there are so many things others could do mm-hmm. to take the load off. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in all the talk of defunding police, you know, there actually began to be some really good ideas about things that were criminal justice reform mm-hmm. where you could have, um, instead of officers dealing with minor wrecks, mm-hmm. 
you could actually have the insurance companies deal with them mm-hmm. instead of them having to go because it's just not something officers really need to get involved in. Yeah. If at the height of COVID, um, we had such limited staffing, we weren't responding for non-injury accidents. Right. And it's it's not legally required that we show up and take a police report. So many people would call and they're so livid that we didn't show up because somehow they think that we're going to assign fault or they want this other person to pay. And we're like, well, so basically what happens is we just document. Right. You were here. You were here. This is your car. This is that car. This is the time of day. This is the intersection. You were traveling east. You were traveling west. And it's up to the insurance company. So a lot of times that's what we would say is exchange information, document this. Right. And let your freaking insurance company. That's kind of why we pay those astronomical (laughs) fees. Make them earn it. Yes. Yes. There's other, you know, there's other things officers don't need to be tied up doing. Yeah. And I've, I've even said that in some cases I'm like, well, let me give you an example that you're, you're, you're angry that we're not responding out for this particular thing. Let me explain to you what we are dealing with right now. Right. And I'll just go down the board and read, okay, we have this, we have this, 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 all of which are much more if it were your loved ones involved in those things, exactly. and you wouldn't want us involved in this. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it is. And I open it they're like, oh, God. I'm like, yes. Yes, that's, yes. <laughs> well, they think because they're not hearing it on the news, no. there must not be anything going on. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it's so important also to do this podcast that you're going to be starting in the next probably four to six weeks. Um. I think it's I think it's going to be multi-purposed in yeah. that it's going to educate people on a lot of the things that go on that people have no idea. Yeah, no. happens, and that dispatchers are being exposed to mm-hmm. or dealing with. And again, on top of also some of the funny stuff that does happen. Oh yeah, there's there you just they say you can't make it up and you really can't. Right, that's <laughs> the truth, and. You know, to be able to get stories from dispatchers all across the country, mm-hmm. um, and that's how this is going to be set up. That, mm-hmm. that um, is the website up and running. I have the domain name. I haven't got the website itself up, but okay. I have the domain name. So, and it, that will be up, and that will be one way they can communicate. I assume there'll be mm-hmm. a an email that they an email, could... yeah. And I, I, I mean, the website's probably definitely will happen, but I'm more focused, I think, on like the social media aspect, because that is, seems to be where everyone's noses is at mm-hmm. any minute of the day and a big source of, of communication. So how will they find you if they want to start sending stuff to you now to be used on future podcasts? Um, probably like I, I should probably do, cause I have all of the names, but, um, they could probably is there oh, a Facebook page up yet? I haven't. I will get those. I have all of them registered or okay. spoken for, but I haven't put anything up specifically because it was all one of these going to be great, but haven't done it yet right. type of situations. <laughs> um, but it's going to be it's going to be simple with the name Dispatch Diaries. Okay. So the the Instagram will be Dispatch Diaries. The Facebook is Dispatch Diaries, and the domain name is DispatchDiaries.com. Which, funnily enough, when I was registering those domain names, I had to stop and make sure I was spelling diaries correctly <laughs> because I was like, Susan will kill me because <laughs> I now have registered dispatch dairies because <laughs> it's a matter of where you place the A and yes. where you place the I. It does make a difference. I'm like, Susan, we're just out here bossing some damn heifers around. <laughs> And, and no one seems to be listening to this. I don't know why that there's hardly any traffic to the site. It's ridiculous. (laughs) But that's really what you're looking for. You want people to send things of a serious nature that shows the exposure Mm -hmm. of what dispatchers are having to deal with Mm -hmm. as well as the funny stories. Yeah. I, that's what I have several of my own dispatch friends that I'm hoping, um, will fit into their schedule to come on good different different shows, I guess you call right. them. Well, you'd have different guest co-host. Correct. Yeah. And on then the podcast. And then I'm thinking that each one, when they do, if they want to highlight or discuss, speak about a specific call or two or sure. whatever. Cause all that's public information. It is public. Yes. So I'm thinking that that's what we will do. Cause uh-huh. it does. I mean, the world, 
always needs humor more so now than ever. Especially, yes. They need, because now everyone seems to be getting butthurt about humor. Yes. And it is, in in law enforcement, the dark humor is a way of us processing. It's a way of coping. It's a healthy coping mechanism. Yes. That we have found studies that show when you can use sick humor, Mm -hmm. the body sends a message to the brain, this has no power over me. When we take that away from our first responders, things are only going to deteriorate from a mental wellness standpoint mm-hmm. because we're removing a healthy tool. And again, first responders note, don't do it in front of the media or the victim's family. Well, of course. Right. But body cams for officers, as much as I know they have helped, they do remove that element because mm-hmm. officers are being disciplined. Mm-hmm. And if you're part of management and administrations out there in law enforcement agencies listening, Please understand that when you discipline people for using sick humor, and I'm not talking about, again, in front of the media or the victim's family, I'm talking about officer to officer or officer to dispatcher or whatever, and you're disciplining them for that, Mm -hmm. you're taking away a tool Mm -hmm. that helps them keep some of that garbage out of their garbage can, and it is going to negatively impact their mental wellness. And we are seeing it on a daily basis here at Under the Shield. Mm-hmm. And it, it's really sad. And I, I just don't think it's necessary um, just because the woke society doesn't like certain things. I'm sorry. There are a lot of things in the world I don't like, but I don't get my way about it. Yeah. And, and I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got to start to recognize that the men and women in the first responder world are being exposed to things Nobody else has been exposed to, and we've got to allow them those tools that the rest of the world may not understand, and that's okay. They don't have to understand it. Right. But it's time. And the other thing about the podcast is, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe I hadn't done any research out there, but the reality is, is I haven't heard of any other avenues out there that give dispatchers this opportunity to kind of vent and talk about things, whether it's, you know, funny stuff or scary stuff or sad stuff or emotional things. I think we've got to give more avenues to that. Yeah. That's, that's one of probably one of my biggest hopes Yes, for it is to give dispatchers a name, a, a vo- face, a voice Yes, that otherwise is you're not heard. Sure. You know, sure. The only time you're heard is if you're in trouble, Right. <laughs> you know, and that's that's the hope is to give them because that's the that's the thing is if you if you're not getting it out if you're not emptying your garbage can yes it's not going to end it didn't it didn't I wouldn't say end well but it didn't work out well for me and a lot of dispatchers yeah because I just I reached that limit that that breaking point I guess for lack of a better term sure and like most people in this field, the last thing you want to do is say, I'm weak or I need help or I'm broken or I'm broken or anything like that, because we're the helpers. We shouldn't need help. We're helping everyone else. Sure. And the more you ignore that, the more you push that down in your garbage can, that's probably already probably pretty full, but you just stand on that lid and you just squish it down in there. One more thing. Exactly. And the body keeps the score. Yes. And if you mentally keep ignoring it, your body will start giving you messages in other ways. High blood pressure, heartburn turns to acid reflux. Yes. Yeah, we start seeing a lot of a lot of physiological things that are not genetically predisposed. Yes. And you better pay them attention. Mm-hmm. And this is why we encourage people in these fields. Also, make sure you're getting true physicals. Mm-hmm. Not just the doctor saying how you feeling and <laughs> that kind of thing. I'm talking about full blood workups, everything, because the stress will aggravate it. And if you're predisposed to any of that stuff, it can bring it on a whole lot faster. Oh, yeah. Stress will kill you. Yes, it will. And it's important for people to understand that. And again, I think this is going to give dispatchers um, a voice that they haven't had. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's funny, I was, I don't even know what I was listening to the other day, and they were talking about a 911 call of this little boy that called in, 
and got this mail dispatcher and the little boy needed help with his math homework. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Yep. yep. And I thought, you know, and the patience the dispatcher had mm-hmm. and the, the mother comes in and the and this, what are you doing? And yes. he goes, yep. well, you told me when I need help to call the police. Yep. So that's who I called. Mm-hmm. And it was just so sweet to hear the dispatcher handle it the way they did. Yep. When I'm sure that was something probably in the middle of a whole lot of stuff going on. But I but think we that, love that. Exactly. I think that it probably, is that was something great. the dispatcher yep. enjoyed. Yep. Absolutely. Here's a little boy realizing I'm somebody who can help. Mm-hmm. Even if it's his math, which I would not be much help to him on that. But, exactly. Yeah. Um, but that, that would be the worst of it. Mm-hmm. To be able to tell him, sorry, I can't help you with that. Um, but it's that kind of thing, too, that I think it's important mm-hmm. that they see the patience mm-hmm. y'all can have mm-hmm. and that it's not just like you see it on television. Yeah. And it's not that it's not that we're not human, that, that we're infallible. It's right. and, and I want that to also be discussed and not something to be ashamed of or to hide and not talk about is the mental health of it. Sure. The toll it takes on you and your family. Um, pers- I mean, hell, I'm still broken. It's still, I'm still a work in progress. Uh, Everyone is. Yeah, probably. But to hear you're not the only one. Ex- that's the huge thing because I think, and speaking again with other dispatchers, a lot of them thought that they were the only ones having these thoughts, thought they were the only ones that felt like they were crumbling. Sure. The only ones that were considering self-harm or, you know, what not maybe actively textbook suicidal but hey if something were to happen or i were to get hurt right at least then i wouldn't have to go to work yes and we've heard that in here yes absolutely i was i, I will tell i was that way the first part of the, the end of last year was reaching ahead i guess you would say and that's when i came into you is when my body started saying okay well these migraines aren't getting through to you right. not being able to move your neck and shoulders from the stress isn't getting through to you sure um, let's just try making your back go out so you can't walk. Right. Let's see. Maybe this will make your stubborn ass pay attention. Sure. Um, when it's like I've heard dispatchers say, they know driving home as exhausted as they are mm-hmm. is not smart, mm-hmm. but it doesn't really matter. If something happens, it happens. Yeah, absolutely. And that is a form of being suicidal. Yep. Just like we see in our law enforcement who put themselves in high risk situations Mm-hmm. Because if I die, my family gets taken care of. Yep. And it's an honorable death. And I don't really care if I live or die. So if mm-hmm. I'm going to die, I might as well go out this way. Yeah. And it's it it's still a form of being suicidal. Mm-hmm. But it's normal in the industry. Mm-hmm. And this is where I think the so much of the mental health side of the house has to understand it's not about mental illness. Yeah, absolutely. It's good people overworked, mm-hmm. stressed out, and not given the tools and things that they need yes. at the time they need it. Absolutely. And so I think that this is going to be a great new addition, and we are excited and looking forward to getting in the studio and you guys taking over on the on certain days and, <laughs> and recording this and starting to get feedback from around the country. Yeah. From other dispatchers and you start to see whether you're in Podunk, Iowa, or you're in Memphis, or you're in New Orleans or Phoenix. It's the same stuff. Yeah. People feel in the exact same way. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to give them a voice that they can say these things. And even if it's through you, it's done. It'll be done anonymously. Yeah. That maybe we'll have some supervisors and administrations and people who are listening that it begins to resonate with. Yeah. Cause right now you don't, I can speak from firsthand experience. You go to see is a psychologist, psychiatrist, counselor, therapist, family doctor. Have you thought about hurting yourself? Answer is always no. Right. Because right. I don't want you taking my job. I don't want to be, you know, go through all of this where you're like, Oh, are you fit for duty? Are you, should you be answering these calls? Sure. I'm not going to be honest with you. Are you freaking crazy? No. And and y'all know. You well, know, you know what exactly to what to say. So Absolutely. why am I going to go get help? So we got to come at it from a different approach and a different angle. And again, I think this is going to be a great thing. And uh, we've got some guests lined up of people <laughs> that I know that are 
are dispatchers or have been that have some really funny stories from a different day and different time. Um, <laughs> one of whom will be known as Elmer Fudd. Um, <laughs> it's going to be his, his stuff alone will be hilarious. But want to thank you for taking the time out to come in and do this podcast with us today. And you'll be hearing Becky again and other additions, I'm sure, down the road as we grow this company and, and these two podcasts. Uh, and I want to thank everybody that's out there for listening and uh, continuing to come back and also spreading the word to other people about this podcast. Um, please remember it under the shield. We are here for all the first responders, military, and families. Um, your spouses can call in. Your significant others can call us. Um, it'll always be anonymous. Our toll-free number is 855-889-2348. You hit extension 1 for immediate assistance. Um, we won't even have your phone number. Uh, the, that number that you dialed pops up on the stress coach's phone. You will always get a stress coach. Uh, we have it set up. It usually rolls to me first. If I'm on the phone recording or in session, it'll roll to another stress coach. And um, we will not ask your name or who you work for. We may ask what state you're in if you'd like to meet with a stress coach face-to-face because -face, we do have stress coaches all over the country and two in Canada. Um, but that's up to you as to whether you tell us that. And my personal cell is 334-324-3570. Uh, Tom will be back in with us next week, hopefully, and COVID-free. <laughs> um, but if you want to talk with him, you can always call my number or text me, and I'll be happy to get you in touch with Tom. He also is one of our stress coaches. And um, we just want you to know that we care. We appreciate all the sacrifices that you make. And we do know those from, from firsthand personal experiences. Um, it's tough to be family to law enforcement. Very difficult. And, and we understand those roles also. Been there, done that, did it for 20 years. And so reach out to us. Um, don't ever feel like you have to suffer alone. Because this is why we're here. And we're not a resource as such. We are the resource. So you don't have to worry about if you call us that we're going to pass you off 10 different places it's not how we do things so we hope you'll come back next week where tom will be back in with us hopefully both of us will be back at 100 percent. and uh, we just want you to know how much we love you and appreciate all that you do god bless you god bless your families and this great nation that we live in and come back to see us next week